This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. You know, the truth is, is that when we start to deal with family, we all can relate to family because we all have a mama. That's why your mama jokes are so great, right? Because when you drop a your mama joke, you insult everybody. Because everybody has a mama. Because we all come out of a family. We all come from a family. And God knew that. That's how he made us. But, you know, the thing is, is that as the world has progressed and as time has went on, most of us see family under the ideal, a perfect family. And we look at certain people, you may mistakenly look at my family and think they're perfect. You may look at some other folks and say they have the perfect family. But can I tell you something? There's no such thing as a perfect family. The truth is, it's that every family is crazy. Now, some of y'all don't know this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you figure out if you can think back to your childhood Right During the sleepover days, I'm going to help you diagnose if your family was the crazy family. All right? If everybody wanted to come spend the night at your house, you had the crazy family. All right? If everybody was saying, man, I just want to go over to your house and spend the night, that's because you had the crazy family. See, there's three different types of families, three different types of families. There's the ones that already know that they're crazy. I know we're crazy. I don't, I ain't even, we're crazy. There's the families that don't know they're crazy, right? But they're still crazy. And there's the families that know they're crazy, but they keep trying to hide it, right? So kids, I want you to look at your parents real quick and say, y'all crazy. You know, the truth is, is that the Bible The Bible from the start of the Bible until all the way through Jesus, the Bible is filled with crazy families. The Bible is filled with families that blow it and can't get it right and can't do this easy. There's craziness in the families that are contained within Scripture. And the fact is, is that most of us know our crazy. And in our crazy, we think God could never do something in us. We're too crazy. But the truth is, is that God delights himself in using crazy families. He delights himself in taking a crazy family and doing something amazing in it. So God can take your crazy family and use it for the good. I want to read Psalm 127. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to that with me today? If you don't have your Bible... It'll be on the screen. You can look it up on your phone. Whatever you got to do. Psalm 127. I'm reading out of the NIV today. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a huge 
heritage or a heritage from the Lord. Children, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the sons born in one youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Unless the Lord builds the house. That's awesome. We got some audio going on too. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Here's the first thing in your notes today. To build families the right way, we must follow God's plan for our families. To build our families the right way, we must follow God's plan for our families. And we're filled with a world that has a plethora of different plans for what would be great for your family. But to build our our families the right way, we must build it according to God's plan. You see, verse 1 and 2 tell us that God has a plan to build, and if we would just listen to him, we can find, and he will work with us in the building of our family. The second verse in Psalm 120 tell, 127 tells us this, that God will protect our families if we would just follow his plan. And in verse 3, the Bible tells us this, that children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Here's something that in places in the world you can go, they don't get this. Now, in America, we have a high value on our kids, but the truth is is that kids are a gift from God. Kids in a home are a gift from God. Kids, I want you to do something for me. Look at your parents and tell them, I'm a gift. Remind them of that sometimes. When you ain't made your bed up, right? Look at them and say, Mom and Dad, I'm a gift. I'm teaching you something right now. Children are a gift from God. Which leads me to this statement. Parents, and this is really the core of what we're going to talk about today. The greatest thing that you will ever do as a parent is leave a legacy with your children. It's the greatest thing that you will do. And it is not something that you have an option. You don't have an option in that. You will leave a legacy. You will give them a heritage. Because there can be great sorrow in that legacy that is handed to them. Or there can be great joy. But the greatest thing that you'll ever do is to pass on a heritage to your children. In your notes, it says this, and this is just simply breaking that down for you. God's plan for your family is more about what you pass on than what you acquire. 
God's plan for your family is more about what you pass on, what you hand over than what you get. And that's not in the term of Christmas gifts and birthday gifts and nice rooms and a nice house and all the toys and accessories to go with that life. But it's what you pass on. To your children will be the greatest thing that you do. I want to look at one of the oldest passages in all of Scripture today. Because I know that many of us that are not acutely familiar with the Scriptures, maybe some of us that have never studied the Bible much at all, would say that, what does the Bible have to say about my family? There weren't any smartphones back then. Jesus didn't have to deal with trying to keep his kids off the Internet so they'd do his homework. What does the Bible have to say about my life right now? We're going to look into Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9. I'm going to promise you that in there, you're going to see a little bit of God's plan for you as a parent and as a family. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This, if we were a good Jewish family, would be the passage that we would go back to over and over and over again to go, God, what should I be doing as a parent? Because it is so good for us. It is so applicable for our daily life because it is addressing the fact that God has leverage to us as people that love him, commandments, that he has pointed us in a direction, that there are things that are in our lives that he has said no to. There are things that he has said yes to. And for many of us as parents and as men and women, God has done tremendous and mighty things in our lives. But this verse, this passage says it's not just enough for you to sit on that. You're supposed to be impressing that on your children. That which God is doing in your heart is supposed to become an impression to leave. Now don't let me mislead you here. There is not a thing that a parent can do to lead their child to Christ. We cannot ignite the fire, but we can put kindling and warm wood. We can do everything we can, but only God has the matches to light that fire. And God, in this passage, through his wisdom, gives us a plan to leave a heritage because we've all known people that we've walked through life. We've seen them. We've loved them. And we know that they're carrying baggage that was passed down to them from their family. And we've watched them struggle and go through great difficulties. And we don't want that to happen to our kids. 
So what do we need to do? What does this passage say to us that we need to do if we're going to leave a great legacy, a good legacy in the hearts of our children? What do we do? The first thing is the greatest gift that we can give our family is to love Jesus. The greatest gift that we can give our family is to love Jesus. Because as this passage opens up, it says this, love the Lord with all your heart. So my, see, this passage, as God begins to take Moses and give us some details, he predicates that with the assumption that we will love God with all we have. And the greatest gift that you can give your family is to love Jesus well. And kids, y'all look at me for a minute. The greatest gift that you can ever give your mom and dad is to love Jesus well. I have seen kids completely transform the cultures of their families because they were willing to love Jesus well. It's the greatest gift. If you don't have children... And here today, the greatest gift that you can give your family is to love Jesus well. And that's what God, in the context of family, has called us to do, is to love him well. But the greatest gift that we can give our kids is a legacy of faith. Is a legacy of faith. Notice that I didn't say give them a relationship with Jesus because, again, all we can do is leave that legacy. We can stack the firewood, put the kindling, but God has to match. So what do we do? What does the Bible say in this passage that we can do? It says that we're supposed to impress upon our kids what God has done in our lives. That what God does in me is not just for me. It's for other people too. So it's supposed to be this thing that's coming through me that I'm impressing on them. But how do I do that? And this is where the Bible gets amazingly clear. And it is so remarkable that in our modern age, it still makes sense. Because the Bible says that there are four places that we need to capture if we're going to impress these things that God is doing in our lives on our children. The first one is that when we sit at home. When we sit at home. The second one is when we walk along the road. The third one is when we lie down. And the fourth one is when we get up. Now, I'm going to give you a practical way to think about all four of those as a family. All right? And I'm going to suggest to you that you need to be figuring out a way as parents to use at least three of those four on a regular daily basis. All right, the first thing is when you sit at home. My parents made a decision when I was young that we would eat dinner together every single night. Every single night we would eat dinner together. And we did. When my mom worked late, we still ate dinner together because my dad cooked. 
And we sat around the table, and as young kids, we listened to our parents talk. And they talked about work, and I didn't know a dang thing about what they were talking about, but I tried to talk to them, and we got involved in each other's lives because we sat down together. That's the first place, is that you make a decision that we're going to find a way to spend time together at home. The second thing is when you walk along the road. With as much technology as there is out there, iPhones, DVD players, it is not unusual in today's culture for a family that's traveling to be completely independent of themselves. This kid's playing a game. I'm reading my book. My husband's listening to the radio. But the Bible tells us that that's one of those moments that God has given us to capture. I love Jeff Foxworthy talks. I'm not going to say what he talks, but he talks about taking his daughter to school. He takes his daughter to school every morning. And he loves it because he gets to talk to her. And he said that not too long ago, he ran out of gas on 485 because he got in traffic. And, and it was like the second day of school and his daughter had this really nice little outfit that she had picked out for school. And so they were late to school and he had to take her in, go to the principal. And he said, the next day I made sure I had, I made sure I had gas in the car and uh, I made sure that my daughter was in there. She's like in third grade, and he says that I pulled up right in front of her friends, rolled down on the windows, and the principal was standing right outside, and as my daughter was getting outside, getting ready to go in, I said, it's all right today. I got gas. (laughs) You see, there's moments that God gives us that we can get involved in each other's lives, and that's one. Right? Number three, when we lie down, when we lie down, make bedtime meaningful. Make bedtime meaningful. I love what Dr. Tom Fillinger told me about his family. He pastors a tiny little church in Columbia, South Carolina, but he's a brilliant man and he works as a church consultant all over the United States. He raised three cross-country state champions. He raised three people that are now in highly specialized field. One, his oldest son is a consultant for the World Health Organization. He said, every night when I would go into bed, I would tell them, you can stay up as long as you want. You don't have to go to bed at all, but the only way you can stay up is if you ask me questions. And he said, you know, I'd go in some nights and it would be, why is the sky dark tonight, you know? But sometimes it would be really, hey, my friend Jimmy, his grandma passed away. What happens when we die? And he was able to, over those times, over that period of years, going in and sitting down with his kids and talking to them as they were getting ready to go to bed, to disciple them and to pour into them and mentor them and lead them. So make bedtime meaningful. And the last thing is when you get up. Here's something that I would encourage you as a family to consider. It's to make something about the start of your day 
integrated with Jesus, I would encourage you to do this, to pray as a family in the morning. Pray with your kids before you send them to school. Pray with them before you drop them off at daycare. Pray with your kids in the morning. You see, I was sitting around in a small group that I led in South Carolina with a bunch of businessmen that I had no idea and no real reason to be able to sit down with them except that they were my friends. City executives, men who owned businesses worth millions and millions of dollars. And they were so busy, so very, very busy. And they all had children. And one spoke up when we were talking about stuff that we just wanted to pray. They said, I just want to spend more time with my kids. I don't have time. I just don't have the time to do what I want to do. And another one said, yeah, I feel the same way. We're just rushing. We're rushing. We're going. We're going. And I said, how about y'all turn in your Bible? Deuteronomy 6. And let's look at this passage because as busy as their lives were, those those moments were still present in their lives. And they were there as gifts from God to capture and to leverage towards a legacy. And if we will be obedient to God's plan in our families, we can leave a legacy of faith. But as we get ready to close, let me ask you a question today. The first question is for you parents. What are you giving your children? What are you giving your children right now? What kind of legacy are you leaving in them? Are you leaving a a, a legacy that points to Jesus? Are you stacking the firewood and putting the kindling in there? Or are you pointing towards other things? And to everybody, kids included, everybody listen to this question as we get ready to wrap up. Are you loving Jesus? Are you loving Jesus well? Because the greatest gift, I love it, the greatest gift that you can ever give your family is to love Jesus well. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning, time together with our families. God, thank you for these kids and their Honest answers to good questions. God, as we sit around today as parents and we think about what are we giving our kids, what are, what are we giving to them? <clears throat> God, we today want to give them a legacy of faith. We want to pour a life into them that points them to Jesus. And maybe today there's somebody in here that recognizes that that's not exactly where they've been. And so, God, today as we think about, pray about, process what it means to follow you to be obedient. I just ask that, God, that you would 
convict us to lead a life that lives leaves that kind of legacy. So with nobody looking around, I'm just going to ask you guys to bow your heads, to close your eyes. Nobody looking, let's be really still. If you're a parent and you're in here today and you recognize that what you're leaving for your children is not the best. It's not God's plan. If you see that today in in your heart and you want to make a change today and you're willing to say, I want to follow God's plan. I want what God wants for my family. I want to leave a legacy of faith. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? That's awesome. Hands up all over the room. That's awesome. And for everybody, kids today, everybody, I want you to think about this question. If I were to watch your life like a movie for the next 24 hours, maybe I could rewind and watch this last week. Would I see that you really love Jesus? Would I see that in your life today? Because if I didn't, and you want to love Jesus, you can start doing that today. So if that's you, and you're here today, and you say, you know what? I have not been getting this right. But I want to. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? I see those hands. That's awesome. Let's pray for those. God, thank you for the parents who are willing to say that I want to leave the kind of godly legacy to our kids that they deserve, God. And today, God, as we come to a a closing point in the message, would you again just convict us and challenge us and call us even deeper into your love and affection because we want to know you. And we want you to be known in our families. And so, God, we realize that we don't have the matches as parents, but we want to stack the firewood in a great way. And we want to put the kindling there that, God, when you decide to throw down a match, it's ready to burn. So, God, help us to know that there are moments that you've ordained. And let us find them and capture them and use them in the name of Jesus, we pray.